0: Here is iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen.
1: The title of the book, Your Emerging Leadership Journey How to Be Promoted to a Leadership Position in Less Than 10 Years. And the co authors are John King and Dr. Ronald Chickie. And they join us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. to have you with us. Now I'm going to read a short description of the book, very short, just a sentence kind of in general about what your book is about. And then if you would, gentlemen, to tell us why you wrote it. So let me read this. You say, this is a roadmap that will help you get ahead of the crowd in the corporate world, no matter where you are in the journey today. That sounds like uh, information that everybody would want in the corporate world. So why don't we start with you first, John, and then, Ron, if you'll chime in. Uh, Why did you write the book?
2: Well, first of all, uh, Dr. Chicky and I have been uh, co-teaching up at the uh, the School of Hospitality Business um, for, uh, had been for 12 years, and uh, suddenly we got the idea that maybe uh, because there was no leadership uh, course offered um, at um uh, that that school that uh, we would like to do that and um, obviously you don't um, you don't start teaching a class without some type of a book or a manuscript. so um, we put together uh, a um, manuscript so that actually what happened was was that the course itself was the driving force uh, behind the book. and um, we have we used uh, a manuscript for four years uh, in the course. And, um, and now we have a book uh, to, uh, to offer the students. So uh, um, that was the driving force behind the,
3: uh, our writing this.
1: Anything you'd like to add, Ron?
3: Well, yes, I'd say in addition to our students at Michigan State University, we've also led a number of executive development uh, courses on leadership uh, for people who primarily were highly skilled in their areas but needed to beef up their leadership skills. They had the technical skills but needed to beef up their leadership skills. So we developed a model uh, that starts with knowing yourself and then goes to leading yourself and then knowing others, leading others, and leading change. And that's the framework for this book, Your Emerging Leadership Journey.
1: How does one discover themselves? How does a person get to know who he is or who she is in, in this corporate uh,
2: uh, model, Go ahead, Ron.
3: Well, we use a number of tools. Uh, one is a, uh, the MBTI personality self-assessment, uh, which is, you know, easily available online. Uh, we also have a uh, self-assessment that uh, characterizes an individual as a color. And the importance of that assessment is it uh, helps them see how others perceive them. So this looks outside the individual and asks uh, others how they perceive them.
1: That's important, isn't it, that perception by others?
3: Absolutely. Uh, We also have a strong emphasis on surfacing individual values, focusing on the individual's mission and vision, and then using all of this to lead themselves. Because our belief is that unless you know yourself and lead yourself first, you can't do that with others.
1: Ron, you also, in your book, talk about this is a hands-on, real-life approach. Now, help us understand what you mean by that.
3: Well, the, the, the good fortune I've had is to work with uh, Professor John King, as he mentioned, uh, for nearly 20 years now. We we taught the Managing for Quality course here 12 years, and now we've been on to this for three or four years. So his uh, approach as a, of a retired CEO and, and over 40 years of experience in the industry is to make sure this is practical, hands-on. It's, uh, we think, a good balance of theory and practice. And our goal was to really develop some concrete tools that the emerging leader can use.
1: Uh, John King, you've really seen this work, then, in the real world.
3: Absolutely. Uh, We uh, started
2: our uh, corporation in 1965 uh, from scratch, um, and um, over 41 years, uh, built it up to a uh, national uh, power in the uh, uh, food management um, uh, field, and um, it had over 4,000 employees um, and uh, 250 some odd clients. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was all um, organic growth. It, we didn't uh, buy out any other organizations or anything like that, and. Obviously, for 41 years, there there were a lot of experiences uh, that I had that um, I felt that I could share with others, um, both managers, uh, uh, other executives, uh, and students, and um, and that's what uh, is in the book. There are many, many real world examples of uh, um, failures uh, as well as uh, successes, and um, so um, that's. That's what um, I brought uh, to the book uh, and, and to the class. So, um,
1: you know, I might look in the mirror and say, you know, this all sounds great, gentlemen, but aren't leaders born? I mean, can I really, really develop into a great leader?
3: Well, that's one of the issues we, we cover in our class. You know, we do, uh, we do address this issue, are leaders born or made. Uh, we do know that there are, there's a certain genetic makeup for leaders. I mean, uh, you know, certain people naturally emerge as leaders, but we also know that it can be developed. And we've seen it time and time again, uh, class after class, uh, executive development uh, group after executive development group. The people that emerge after they uh, experience what we teach are very different from the ones that showed up on the first day so they can these skills can be learned they can be practiced and we refer to them as the practice of leadership
1: vision is a critical part of leadership and you know there's there's so much so many people that have a hard time seeing themselves in a in a different role than maybe they're already in
3: well here again is where john king really brought the practicality you know his company was focused on continuous improvement and that vision for continuous improvement was uh, developed from uh, the line-level people in the organization and was, was uh, brought up through the organization by those individuals. So getting people engaged at the point where products and services are created and delivered, uh, that, that's really been the life he's led, and that's what we hope to uh, pass on to our, uh, the people that read this book as well as our students and our executives.
1: John, can you give us an example of that?
3: Um yeah I mean um I think that uh,
2: uh because we operated uh with teams throughout the organization everyone within the organization had a voice in uh, planning the work that they that they that they were doing and uh, was involved in the planning process and uh if you've ever been involved in a strategic planning process you know that the that the first step is to identify the vision and um and the vision, um, or there is a, uh, although the vision, the overall corporate vision is uh, all uh, encompassing. What really happens is is that each uh, area within the overall uh, company has their own vision for their own uh, facility or for their own area, you know, within that corporate structure. So everyone's involved uh, with the vision. And everyone um, always had the opportunity to visit it at least once a year to make changes.
1: John, what do you mean by the servant leader?
2: The servant leader is uh, basically the leader who um, um, has a high level of caring for their associates, so much so that they. Uh, what I always said to, to them was um, <clears throat> what I what what we tell the students and what I what I've told. Uh, managers uh, uh, in class is to uh, never park your car and go directly to your office. You should always park your car, go in to where you work, and uh, visit all of your associates on your way on the way to your office. And that way, number one, you get to know them very well. There's a high level of trust in it, um, and you actually literally are serving them uh every day and they know that you care and that's and that is the key to servant leadership which is caring. Dr. Chicky, I hope that explains it.
1: That sounds really good, uh, Dr. Chiki. Help us understand the critical importance of ethics.
3: Well, ethics obviously have surfaced as a um, as a, a way to uh To screw up, you know, those that have violated the code of ethics today have screwed up uh, corporations and their own personal lives. We believe that ethics are very personal. Again, it depends on the individual, but the organization needs a code of ethics as well. And uh, part of this uh, uh, book that we have, uh, that we just had released, uh, deals with this topic of ethics and, again, practical examples on, on how individuals can link the ethical decisions they're making to their own value systems, to the value systems of the organization. And I think uh, this comes back to servant leadership as well, where the focus is the relationship, the relationship between the follower and the relationship uh, with that leader. Um, we know that people follow a plan, but they're more likely to follow a person and uh, they're more likely to follow a person if that person's being perceived as being ethical rather than not ethical.
1: John, talk to us about role models, leaders that we need to look up to.
2: Wow, you uh, hit the nail right on the head. Um, you, if you read the newspaper today, you, you've, you've read all the articles about uh, athletes and uh, how, how athletes um, um, have to be a um, role model um and of course we all know what's happened uh there and uh we know that they have a long way to go in terms of being a true role model but as an executive um, you uh it's it's vital that everyone have a great deal of respect for their leader and um, obviously that respect has to be earned but uh once the um once once the leader recognizes the fact that they they live in a goldfish bowl, and everyone is watching them and watching their every step and their every word, and uh, everyone in the organization has high expectations for that person as a leader, they know uh, they know that they have to be a role model, and uh, and the being a role model is uh, um, wanting everyone to be um, better than they are and. Uh, at least be as uh, good and as uh, forthright as, as a leader himself.
1: Now, Dr. Chicky, can you explain and define the emotionally intelligent leader?
3: Yes, this is based on some research that we've done over a number of years here at Michigan State in the School of Hospitality Business, where we categorize the competencies and characteristics of an emotionally intelligent leader into three categories. The first one is called in, which is about your awareness of yourself and being able to lead yourself. The second is called out, which is the awareness of others and empathy, being able to put yourself in another person's uh, position. And the third is called relationships. And again, we get back to this relationships where you use your emotional skills and your thinking skills together to help develop people and help them on their leadership journeys.
1: John King, this uh, phrase that you use in your section called "Leadership Final Steps" uh, it sounds like it's impossible. At the same time, it sounds really important, and it's titled "Fun While You Work."
2: Well, basically, um, it's um, if you if you're going to establish a, um, um, a rapport with your um, internal customers who. That's what we call our uh, employees um, they uh, we want them to have fun at work, just as uh, we as leaders uh, enjoyed enjoy our job we we, we usually we enjoy our jobs so much that uh, that it's fun it's fun for us. Uh, I always got up early in the morning and I couldn't wait to get to work uh, because it was fun, um, but we as leaders had to create this culture within the organization where um, our uh, associates all have the are uh, they, they they understand that uh they can have fun at work because they have the freedom to to express themselves and they have the freedom to um, be creative and in so doing they um, they have fun with their customers and because they uh then because they're having fun with them then they are going to uh, uh have some very uh, loyal uh, uh, customers and they uh, going to create a very strong relationship between the corporation
3: and the actual customer themselves.
1: We have time for just a couple closing thoughts. Let's start with you, Dr. Ron Chickie.
3: Well I would say that if you're, you are an early career professional and uh, you're moving uh, at the beginning of your leadership journey, uh, whether you have a college degree or not is immaterial. Uh, The material presented in this uh, book will help you take your journey and uh, add your dream and emerge as a leader. Uh, We've proven that uh, with our students. We've proven that with our executives. And we also show through the examples that we use uh, in this uh, uh, book. So uh, I would urge uh, folks to read this book, implement its teachings, and uh, gain a competitive edge in your own leadership journey.
2: John King,
1: closing thought.
2: Well, I, I think that um, because uh, the, the key to the book is how to get uh, to be a leader within uh, a short period of time, that being at least uh, less than uh, 10 years, there's some, there's, uh, there are a couple of things that uh, you have to have. Uh, one is a, uh, an extremely positive attitude about yourself and about getting ahead, and uh, having a positive attitude will uh, permeate every, everyone else uh, with whom you work including your boss, including the leadership of the organization, so that you as an individual are known within the organization, which is going to accelerate your uh, advancement. And then secondly, uh, in the book we we point out how to network and uh, what to do and what not to do, uh, how to do it uh, effectively uh, without being uh, so obvious that... uh, you're thought of as being uh, something that you wouldn't want to be thought of as. So um, networking is key to positive attitude, and um, it can
3: be done within 10 years.
1: Ron, how do we get your book?
3: Well, uh, there are any number of ways to do that. iUniverse has a site. Uh, it's available at barnesandnoble.com. Uh, it's also uh, available at uh, several of the other Internet, internet uh, uh, booksellers. And uh, uh, so I would just simply Google it, and you'll see your emerging leadership journey come up, and there'll be any number of sources.
1: Well, gentlemen, we appreciate you being on iUniverse Radio.
3: Thank you.
2: Thank you very, very much. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: That was co-authors John King and Dr. Ron Chickie. They're the authors of Your Emerging Leadership Journey, How to be Promoted to a Leadership Position in Less... In 10 years.
0: You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages.
4: East Texas Meals on Wheels needs your help. For the first time in 35 years, Meals on Wheels has a waiting list for meals. Currently, we serve more than 3,500 meals per day. With the help of donors and volunteers, we can eliminate the waiting list and serve more meals and ensure all who need a hot, nutritious meal are served. You can call our offices, toll free at 1-800-451-2912 to find out more about how you can help. You can also visit our website at www.MealsOnWheelsEastTexas.org. Again, toll free at 1-800-451-2912 or visit us on the web at www.MealsOnWheelsEastTexas.org. After all, when a person needs a meal, they need it today, not tomorrow. Thank you for helping Meals on Wheels.
5: Saturdays on togynab.com. It's Author Talk. Get the story behind the story on fiction and literature, graphic novels, horror, mystery and crime novels, romance, science fiction and fantasy, westerns, history, humor, inspiration, and every genre. It's all on Author Talk. You'll get to hear new authors talk about their books. Take the opportunity to hear insights on what inspired them to write it. It's called Author Talk on TogiNet.com and it's presented by AuthorHouse the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their book around the world AuthorHouse has assisted more than 30,000 authors, producing over 40,000 titles Author Talk with host Steve Jorgensen every Saturday on toginet.com Radio with a cutting edge
0: Welcome back to iUniverse Radio with host Steve Jorgensen
1: The title of the book, Project Management Skills for Instructional Designers, and the author is Dorcas M.T. Cox, and Dorcas joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, Dorcas.
6: Hello. How are you?
1: Good to have you here. Now, this is very comprehensive. At the same time, you have uh, managed to simplify these different techniques and these different skills that we need to use. I want to... Uh, read your introduction that if you were to tell a friend in a sentence or two what your book is about this this sums it up in a very general way and then we'll get into the details you say learn the tools and techniques used by the pros in human resources development to improve performance increase profits and grow the business well, any business person would say that's what I need to do. I got to right. learn to do that, right? That's correct. Yeah, there's there's um in the business world there's do or die. Mm. So you are going to help us survive and thrive if you will and tell us why you wrote this. This is a this is a very comprehensive book. This this took you some uh, probably though from your experiences and and everything you've done. It was just putting it down on paper. You already know this.
6: That's right. That's right. I've, I've had the benefit of teaching adult learners in college setting for 14 years. And I also work in a professional capacity as a training manager. And I've, I've used many books trying to help people to do some very basic things that look at performance gaps. Normally when, when something's not working out in terms of profits or people aren't performing in the way that the organization wants them to, the first thing you, you tend to do is say, oh, you know, maybe we need to train them what's wrong. Why aren't they performing in the ways that we would need them to? Is it motivation? What is it? And this book really essentially helps us to be able to accurately look at the root cause, the, determine the root cause of the performance gap, what, why is the individual performance the way it is, and, and obviously if the individual's performance is not the way it, it, the organization wants it to be, two to one, that's turning up in the bottom line in terms of losses or waste or inefficiencies. And so once we identify if the gap is about a lack of knowledge or skill, then we can use training as a measure to close that gap. And so the rest of the book helps us to understand how we can start a project of designing, developing, and delivering the training to close the performance gap. So there are really two two disciplines at work. First is how do you analyze the gap and determine if we do need a, a training solution? And if we do need a training solution, how do we properly go about designing, developing, and delivering that project because it will have a beginning and it will have an end. And so you do need project management skills so that you can efficiently create whatever that solution is to close that gap and get the business back on track.
1: From my experience in the business world, it it's often if you're a manager or, or an owner, you know your product, you know your service, you're very yeah. good at that, but then to... Help others to catch that same vision that you have, and also That's to take right. responsibility that you feel. Obviously, as the owner or the manager, you feel right. tremendous responsibility, and and that you know, obviously, that, that uh, as you put it, we have to gain the wisdom and the confidence right. to get the best performance from employees. So it, that you have to be able to uh, teach that, that to the correct. employees. It's it's a critical critical area of business.
6: That is correct and particularly now because there, there are many things happening in the economy. There, there's downsizing, so there are a lot of people who are now enrolled in organizations that they weren't properly prepared for, and, and maybe they don't feel very confident in being able to execute. So this book helps those who are in human resources, who are in maybe as a performance consultant, and even the entrepreneur who, again, has to do everything. You know, the entrepreneur does a little of everything in his business and, and needs to understand why is my business not doing what I wanted to do in terms of profits or in terms of reducing waste or losses, customer dissatisfa- dissatisfaction. Why is this happening? How can I get my numbers to where I need them to be? How can I get my people... To where they need to be, so that they can be able to produce the the results that we know the business can produce. And so I think this book is for everybody. It it has a it it, it has a, the beautiful ability of being used as a textbook, and and it can and you can get get really deep into it if you're going at it from a college or university level. But then at the same time, you can have it as a guide. As a source book to refer to, even if you're not wanting to to be a pro, but you want to do it like the pros, you want to know what the pros do, the book is also for you.
1: And you start right out at the very uh, beginning with Chapter 1, you talk about the crisis, and Chapter 1 introduces the reader to a typical scenario dealing with crisis, and you put it in an everyday of, of. situation that we could all relate to. That's correct. And that's very, very important that you start to, uh, you know, you have to have a a realistic and honest view of what is happening and be able to analyze that.
6: Yeah. So the the book is full of tips. The instructions are clear. You'd notice the chapters are very short. People don't like very lengthy chapters and there are a lot of white spaces for you to take notes in the book. The The book has some question prompt questions at the end. It, it also is based on a typical scenario, like you said, and that, that theme runs through the entire book. So it's almost a storytelling kind of uh, approach to delivering material that can be kind of heavy. I think it's 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 presented in a way, both disciplines are presented in a way that's user-friendly and even the project management side that can be technical. There are lots of templates in there already built in for you. So if, if the book is referencing a particular name of a template, you don't have to wonder, well, what does that look like and how do I use it? It's right there for you. And so I think that makes it easy for the just-in-time learner who wants to know it right away, but they don't want to have to take you know, a very formal approach to getting that information that they need to resolve their issues immediately.
1: Often we might think that these are inside secrets and how do yeah. we gain them, you know, because the pros in the human resources development, I mean, they know these, you know it. Right. But, but again, it is something that we can learn. Absolutely. And they're no, then they're no longer secret,
6: <laughs> <laughs> and then you know the beauty of it is that will help us all I mean that's going to help the economy turn around that's going to help the the college grad who wants to get out there and and make a difference, but they don't have all those years of experience that maybe somebody else hasn't, and, and they can lean on that when the going gets tough so this this allows everyone to to take something that they have as a passion and translate that passion into a business success for themselves with just being able to get some, some guidance and direction along the way and and at the end of the day feel really good about themselves in the, in the, in the process.
1: So you've taken your 14 years of experience and your knowledge and skills and you've had personal notes and a lot of research and yeah. what you've done if I may, was to present the material in a way that is not only interesting, but it's different from right. the way that information is presented by other authors. That's what you found. You you really had a hard time finding something that would suit the the uh, big challenge.
6: Absolutely. And um, I found also that we use in, in a classroom setting several different books, take a chunk out of this and take a chunk out of that. And I think... One of the things that I've I've used as a benefit in putting the book together is the, the skill of being able to explain something to someone in very basic language, not to simplify it, to insult them, but that the everyday man off the street can understand something that they once thought was just pretty heavy or pretty difficult. And I found adults, very intelligent people, they have background expertise in so many areas, but a particular area might be new to them. And once they understand and they can make those relationships and they can link to oh yes, yes, I know how to do that or oh yeah yeah I've done that before. I didn't know that's what you used to call it though. And so I think that has helped me to put the book together in a in a simple enough way that that you can you can get it even if you haven't spent years and years in this, in this field, you, you can still get it.
1: Now, this book is written with a corresponding workbook by the same name. Now, tell That's us about right. the workbook and also this uh, companion. There's a uh, companion, Do It Like the Human Resources Prose Audio, Video, and Classroom Series. My goodness, this comes with everything.
6: <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I found, too, that although we might say a person can pick up a book and just get started, Sometimes you do get stuck along the way, and so I've I've put together on my site some audio tips that take themes out of the book, and you can download it, MP3 player, put it in your in your car as you go to work. These tips are no more than fifteen minutes, and and they're they're based on topics that are important to us all. You know, topics like discovering the hidden potential in your business or, you know, how to get the, the best out of your employees, these kinds of topics. And so that allows us to get you introduced to the book in a gentle way because sometimes people might say, I don't know if I want to buy it. Why would I want to get that? But, you know, I'm sure you want to get the best performance out of your employees and, I'm sure you want to know what's going to happen if training isn't the right prescription. These are some of the topics for the audios and uh, removing the barriers that make employees more productive. And so with the video, what we've done is we've put the video series together so that you can download those as well and use the workbook, the video, and the textbook all in conjunction. So the person has a little bit more time and they can self-study on their own they don't want to spend thousands in a in a formal setting or a seminar. they can go through it at their own pace using those combination of learning styles or audio visual you know reading tactile writing jotting notes and so that that helps you to be able to simulate it and digest it at your own pace so we've put something together that but it's not intended just to sell a product. It's really intended to help and to provide a resource base for a person to always be able to go to to improve themselves.
1: Because the bottom line, as you put it, is to avoid mistakes, save time and money, be, prote- be productive, and make more money. I mean, that's, that's why right. we're in <laughs> business. We need to make more money. Absolutely. We need to, uh, you know, uh, uh, just uh, do it better and do it cheaper and make more money for everybody's sake
6: absolutely i mean if 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 we're able to accomplish that and 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 do it right knowing that our people are our number one resources and and be true to the people as well at the same time ethically and and professionally i think we're on to something
1: so you say the target audience for your book is entrepreneurs, employees needing an additional income source, do-it-yourselfers, uh, those who have always dreamed of starting a business of their own, persons displaced by economic conditions and are starting a small business out of necessity and recent college university graduates unable to to find a job and then of course you, you know you have the Assistant managers, middle managers, senior managers, co- directors, consultants, and owners. So it covers just about everybody, and you've Absolutely. been able to uh, put it in a uh, terminology that everybody can understand.
6: Yeah, yeah, and I, and I really, really hope that people would go out there and, and purchase the book, and and then let me know how how useful it's been, and you know, we can blog and see how how best I can even assist you further. Because, like I said, the key is, that, and I have a passion for this adult education and, and, and seeing the joy when people learn and apply the learning and can see the benefit for it for themselves. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I wrote it, and that's one of the reasons why I want people to, to, to try it, and, and also, like I said, to let me know how else I can help.
1: Tell us about your website. How do we okay. reach your your website?
6: Okay, the website is Limited dot com. So, P R O J E C T M A N A G E M E N T L T D O M A N A G E Solutions S O L U T I O N S L T D dot com.
1: Very good, and I'm sure we can obviously get your book through Author House. But where else can we get your book?
6: Yes, it's also available to Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble and, um, you know, I think online, those major, major um, distributors.
1: Well, Dorcas, we really appreciate talking to you about your Project Management Skills book. Uh, Thank you so much for being on iUniverse Radio.
6: Thank you. I enjoyed the, the conversation.
1: That was Dorcas M.T. Cox. She is the author of her book, Project Management Skills for Instructional Designers.
0: You're listening to iUniverse Radio. We'll be back right after these messages.
5: He's a diehard American. He's right, and he has the last name to prove it. He's Jason Wright, the host of The Right Side of the Aisle on Toginet Radio. Jason is a father and self-made entrepreneur who turned a struggling East Texas real estate firm into a top-notch million-dollar company. Jason Wright loves America and is very concerned about where we are headed as a nation. He's dedicated to traditional American values. Jason Wright. Join us every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern for The Right Side of the Aisle on Toginet.com. Maybe if I write a book, it will be the thing that keeps me alive. Those are the troubled words of a new 16-year-old author with her first thought-provoking book, What Gives?, published by Togi Entertainment. The author kept a diary during her dark teenage times, which turned into a 360-page suicide note with a happy ending. Texas Monthly describes teen author Chelsea Marie and her new book, What Gives?, in this provocative way. We've plunged from page to page, not because of the young diarist's despondency. Depression is not especially attractive or compelling but because we are fascinated to see that while she is fending off demons on one hand, she is writing verse with the other. What Gives is available at whatgivesbook.com and national bookstores. Readers of What Gives are giving rave reviews. All social scientists, teachers, and students should use this book as a learning tool. What Gives is available at whatgivesbook.com and national bookstores.
0: Welcome back to iUniverse Radio, with host
1: Steve Jorgensen. The title of the book, Scraps, Fictional Fragments, and the author is David Luck. And David joins us now on iUniverse Radio. Hello, David. Hi, how are you today, Steve? Well, this is a collection of short stories, of stories that come from your experience of living near a, a, a lake right there in Denver, and then some other, I guess, some other uh, stories from your travels?
7: That's correct, of course. Uh, Steve, part of why I named the book Scraps is because uh, it's just a variety of stories gleaned from uh, many places and many people. All of the, as you mentioned, uh, the first five stories uh, are centered around a lake here in Denver called Sloan's Lake, and... Uh, I came to write those stories. Uh, I'd been living in the mountains, kind of an uh, isolated area, and I was used to taking hikes by myself and, and uh, just, not inter- uh, just not interacting with people particularly. And I moved to Denver itself, and a few blocks away from this lake, and suddenly here I was just uh, overwhelmed by people of all varieties and ethnic uh, mix and uh, all the vibrant colors uh, of the city, And uh, that just uh, brought uh, my mind into overdrive. And uh, I started imagining what many of these people I met might be doing in their life, and uh, out of that came these stories, these lake stories, the first five.
1: And you say readers will enjoy the story's characters as they wrestle, these characters wrestle with familiar themes of love, lust, and yearning. Well, I always laugh a little bit about... uh, about that
7: when someone asked me, well, what what do you really write about? Well, I think most all of us writers write about the themes of life, lust, love, and yearning. And uh, with outcomes that uh, these stories have, outcomes that sometimes uh, are not always what uh, you think they should be. And I think that's the surprise in many of the stories.
1: Uh, You use, uh, is it Garrison Keillor? Garrison Keillor quote. Yeah, the quote, "Uh, writers are vacuum cleaners who suck up other people's lives and weave them into stories like a sparrow builds a nest from scraps.
7: That's true. That's what what we all do. And I know that in my own experience, that's what I do. uh, Sometimes not even realizing that I do it, Uh, you know, meeting people and seeing people. I just collect these little tidbits, and uh, eventually those are woven into some story that I might... Uh, Be writing
1: so as you uh, very specifically say, scraps is not a quilting book, (laughs) but you know there there these stories are like a tapestry of stimulating fiction. Now, what is the stimulating fiction? Uh, What kind of a theme do you have? Well, there's
7: not a theme that goes uh, you know through the entire book in that sense, Steve, but. The stories are are just a, a lot of life stories. Uh, they involve people, real life people, and what real life people are are dealing with, and um, how they how they challenge each other, each other indirectly sometimes, sometimes very directly, and of course the uh, always the hidden theme of uh, well, you know, is this going to be hurtful? Is this going to be loving? Uh, And, of course, sometimes the ending uh, will surprise even ourselves in our real life, and and the endings will surprise us in these stories,
1: too. And you touch on our memories, and you touch on our vulnerabilities.
7: Well, that's really, really right. Some of these stories uh, came out of the past. Um, I'm a native of Wyoming, and so I gleaned a lot of scraps from there, too. And uh, some of these stories delve back into my childhood, and, uh, and I've had readers that have read the book, Scraps, uh, tell me, boy, this, I really relate to this. I can remember doing this when I, was a, when I was a child, or I can really relate to walking around the lake uh, as you do in your stories, because I used to do that, and I used to see people that were just exactly like you portrayed them in this book, and they really have enjoyed reading this book,
1: Scraps. So you've really tried to make it realistic because you say, my characters experience and struggle with these different desires, and like us, sometimes they're successful and sometimes they're not. That's true, and that's, uh, Steve, I've tried to write. I try to write realistically.
7: These people are just like uh, you and just like me and just like the people we meet every day in our own families and uh, our own struggles and our own beliefs. And uh, sometimes uh, we get misled, too, by outsiders. And uh, then these stories in our lives, or our lives as portrayed in these stories, um, sometimes have surprising endings. We may dream about things all all our life. And uh, sometimes we realize those dreams and sometimes we don't. And then sometimes we realize those dreams in a way in which we would have no idea it was going to happen. And I like to surprise readers that way.
1: And you talk about the challenge of writing believable characters. That is really a challenge. It really is
7: a challenge to write believable characters because you pick a character, or you don't really necessarily pick a character, but a character comes to mind. And, and I really try to put myself in that character's place. And what would I do in this situation? Or how would I react to uh, this other person? Uh, And I try to make it as realistic as I can because uh, I'm sure you've read books too, Steve, that the characters just don't seem real. You know, they couldn't do that or, you know, they couldn't think like that. And uh, I try to avoid that. I try to make them just everyday, common, ordinary people uh, just like you and me. You call that
1: realistic creativity. I call that realistic (laughs) creativity, right.
7: And I think a lot of that, you have to be a real observer of life, and I, I really think I am a, a real observer of life, of people and of life. It's uh, it's kind of like standing on a street corner and watching the people walk by, but it goes deeper than that. Uh, people have coats on and clothes on, and, and they look a certain way, but uh, how do they really look uh, You know, in their own mind? How do they really look? And uh, how are they really presenting themselves in the world? And uh, kind of like looking at these people that way, really analyzing them, and how we think they might really be, and, and then being able to write that is the challenge.
1: And how these characters might respond in a, in a different situation that you put them in. <laughs> that's that's always a surprise to me too, and I, <laughs> I enjoy that part. You of enjoy it. that part. You know, all of a sudden your characters come to life and they start talking, right? That's right. And you go, wow, I didn't know they knew that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Where'd they get that idea from? Absolutely. You make this statement. You said some of the short stories in Scraps are re, are a reminder of simpler times, our history, something we all yearn for. Now, talk about that. Help us understand what you're saying there. A
7: few of the stories in Scraps uh, come from simpler times. Uh, they, uh, they delve back uh, to a time when we didn't have all the electronic media that we have now. Um, there's two stories in particular. Come Spring is one, and the, the other one is called the Box Social. And these are, uh, these are events that occurred back in, oh, say, in the uh, 40s and 50s. Uh, and these were social interactions where people actually got together and did things uh, socially without the use of electronic devices. And I, I kind of think that's interesting. Well, I, I, th- I think it's very interesting because we are so attuned to doing everything uh, through electronic media now. Uh, and, in fact, you'll see some of the cartoons in, in the everyday paper where uh, people... Uh, start to chat over the back fence, and they say, well, you know, you can see my comments on Facebook. And uh, these stories, like uh, I mentioned, go back to a time when people interacted face-to-face. And uh, the box social is a uh, where uh, sandwiches were made by uh, the women and, and the young, young women, and uh, then they were auctioned off, and they were always auctioned off for a good cause. Uh, but as a young uh, person, as you'll see in the story, you'll find out why he he started to perspire, because he got his father to do the bidding for him. And these were social interaction things that we just don't see anymore. And I think some people yearn for that. They yearn for simpler times, and they will enjoy these stories.
1: Now, the characters that are involved with lake stories are are these people that you knew or are these uh situations uh experiences that real people went through or is this just what you've created these
7: are all fiction just what i created uh they're created um, or they are based on people that i saw uh, observed around the lake on my walks and uh, I just made up these stories about them. They, I never met any of those people in in the lake stories. They're just truly fictional stories that I uh, invented, but based on real people that I saw around the lake and behaviors that I saw around the lake.
1: Without giving away the uh, the the climax of this short story, tell us about the character Angelica, just. You know, give us some little insight into Angelica and what she's going through, her mental process.
7: Here's Angelica, a young woman, uh, Hispanic in, in uh, origin, of course, and she's uh, she was, as a young girl, she was attracted to a, a fellow at the lake and uh, not even a romance particularly blossomed, although she, uh, as a young girl, felt giddy in love with this guy and and ultimately became pregnant, and things didn't work out and, and because of age difference and many other things. And so here's a mother with a child, and she's trying to get back into school to get, gain education so that she can become something and support herself. Well, the father enters back into the picture, and uh, slowly but surely she wants him to get to know his and her son, but here she's torn uh, because she has a goal now. Boy, she has got a goal. She's going to make something of herself. She doesn't want to be caught back in this trap uh, with this man. But uh, this is all then pictured because she's waiting for him. He—they've come to a point where she allows him to take the, their son that they share uh, for an evening, and he's not returned the son. And this is uh, the setting. Is in a, in the wintertime, and she's sitting in her car, and it's cold, and and that increases her anxiety. And where can her uh, uh, the father's her son's father be? He's late bringing back the son, and all this anxiety is carried through in the icy cold of this car. That is Angelica.
1: Now, why do you take us to England?
7: Well, England, uh, I just look for variety. Uh, I took you to England because I witnessed uh, an episode similar to what happened in Balby in this story, and I thought it would be interesting. And uh, it could happen anywhere, but this one did happen in England.
1: And then you have, I guess, a comment about death and taxes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the things that we all can count on, right? Well, uh, you know, there's always
7: that saying, uh you know, about death and taxes. And uh, here's Loomis in uh, Death and Taxes, and and Loomis has uh, lived a a long life, but uh, uh, unbeknownst to him, uh, taxes are coming due. And, uh, well, you'll have to read the story to find out who wins, death or taxes. So (laughs) it's an interesting story.
1: You have another title, Never Be Afraid again never be afraid again
7: uh, is a story that i wrote pertaining to uh, concealed weapon carry and uh, how concealed weapon carry can make us feel very safe maybe
1: <laughs> maybe yes it may be just uh, an illusion huh <laughs> well you'll have to read the story that's right it. that's right when you when you when you can feel that weapon against you, I guess, you know, it's a different feeling than when you don't have it on.
7: Yes, I'm sure that's true. And who's Petey? Petey is a parrot. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, okay, I'm glad I my, asked. I this, know, is, Petey. this is my fictional choice for uh, for comedy uh, humor. <laughs> okay. And um, Petey is a parrot that uh, comes in to see this veterinarian via his owner, and Petey looks... Dead as a doornail in the cage. But uh, anyway, <laughs> this young veterinarian can has uh, optimistic that he can save anyone's life. But uh, anyway, uh, you'll get some laughs out of that story.
1: <laughs> right.
7: He's a, a parrot full of surprises.
1: Tell us about your website.
7: My website uh, is easy to access. It's www.davidluck.net. So it's just my name and .net and you can find out more information about me and, uh, and also information about my uh, other books that are available also.
1: And we can get your book through iUniverse, as well as, I'm sure, all the online retailers.
7: That is correct. Uh, Amazon.com, Barnes & Nobles, any bookstore can, uh, can arrange to uh, get the book for you.
1: Well, David, we want to thank you for being on iUniverse Radio. Well, thank
7: you very much uh, for talking with me, Steve, and uh, enjoy Scraps.
1: That was David Luck, the author of his book, Scraps, Fictional Fragments. iUniverse
0: Radio is brought to you by iUniverse, the leading book marketing, editorial services, and supported self-publishing company iUniverse Radio is produced by TogiNet Radio. Radio with a cutting edge.